The Guardian. Minister, Mr. Ian Wright. Question number one, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Mr. Speaker, I've been asked to reply. As the House will know, my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, is on an over official overseas visit to the Middle East. Mr. Speaker, the whole House will wish to join me in paying tribute to the two British soldiers that were killed in Afghanistan last week Lieutenant Edward Drummond Baxter and Lance Corporal uh, Siranta Kunwa of 1st Battalion, the Royal Gurkha Rifles. Our heartfelt condolences are, of course, with the family and friends of these brave servicemen. In a particularly uh, poignant week for us all, with Remembrance Day on Sunday, we are once again reminded of the remarkable job our armed forces do to ensure our safety and security. Furthermore, Mr Speaker, the House will wish to join me in paying tribute to David Black, the Northern Ireland Prison Service officer who was shot and killed last Friday. As my right honourable friend, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, uh, said in the House on Friday, we utterly condemn this cowardly crime. Our thoughts are with David's wife and children at this distressing time. Mr Speaker, I'm sure also the House will want to join me in congratulating President Obama on his election victory... Um, last night. I suspect that's the only point I will be cheered today by the benches opposite, but um, we, we look forward to continuing the government's work with him in building a more prosperous, a more free and more stable world. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in this House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Mr Ian Wright. Thank you, Mr Speaker. May I fully associate myself with the sincere <coughs> tribute paid to the two fallen servicemen and to David Black. It's right that this House pays tribute to those who've fallen in the service of our country, never more so than in the week of Remembrance Sunday. May I also say that President Obama and will be relieved to get the support of the Deputy <laughs> <laughs> Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, the former Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Lord Stephen, has said that police morale is at national crisis levels. Is he right, and why is that the case? Mr Speaker, as, as, he, will, as, as he will also know, that the latest figures show that overall crime is down by six... That, vict that victim satisfaction with the police has actually gone up, that response time to emergency calls has been maintained or improved. Crime has fallen precipitately in his own constituency. So when will he congratulate the police rather than denigrate the police on doing a difficult job dealing with savings, as everybody has to, whilst keeping the public safe? Mr David Rutley. Does my right honourable friend agree with the Chancellor and the German Finance Minister uh, calling on the OECD to accelerate plans to tackle the challenge of uh, corporate tax avoidance by multinational um, companies? Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. I'm sure everybody will warmly welcome the uh, work that the Chancellor uh, is now doing with uh, the uh, Finance um, de Department and the uh, Finance Ministry in, in Berlin to crack down on what was industrial-scale tax avoidance by large corporate entities in this country and elsewhere, which was allowed to go on unchecked under 13 years of the Labour government. Harriet Harman. join the Deputy Prime Minister in expressing our deepest condolences for the death of Lieutenant Edward Drummond Baxter and Lance Corporal Siddhanta Kunwa of 1st Battalion, the Royal Gurkha Rifles, 
Our thoughts are with their families and friends. And at Remembrance Services this Sunday, we will remember not just those who died in the two world wars, but all our service men and women who've lost their lives. We send our deepest sympathy to the family of David Black of the Northern Ireland Prison Service, who was killed last Friday. Um, Mr Speaker, can I also join the Deputy Prime Minister in offering our warmest congratulations to the President of the United States, Barack Obama. This morning, this morning he spoke of his determination to create more jobs, health care for all and tackling the scourge of inequality. We wish him well. Mr. Mr. Speaker. Mr Speaker, Lord Justice Leveson will be publishing his report and recommendations soon. The Deputy Prime Minister said that provided Lord Justice Leveson's proposals are proportional and workable, the Government should implement them, and we agree. So when Leveson's report is published, will the Government convene cross-party talks to take it forward? We need a strong free press. And we also need a proper system to protect people from being, as the Prime Minister said, thrown to the wolves. I I agree with much of uh, what she said about Leveson. Um, If his proposals, we haven't seen them yet, of course, we need to wait and see what he comes up with, are workable and proportionate. I think we should seek to uh, support them. Uh, Of course, that is the whole point of the the exercise. I also agree with her that we should work uh, on a cross-party basis where where we can. This is a major, major issue which escapes the normal kind of uh, tribal uh, point scoring in party politics. And there are two two principles, both of which she alludes to. Firstly, that we must do everything to ensure that we maintain a free, raucous, independent press. It's what makes our democracy in a country what it is. But also, also make sure that the vulnerable are protected from abuse by the powerful. And that happened on an unacceptable scale and on too many occasions. We need to be able to look the the pair of Millie Dowler in the eye and say that in future there will be permanently independent forms of recourse, sanction and accountability when things go wrong in the future. Um, I I thank him for that answer. We must have a press which reports the truth without fear or favour. But after all the evidence that came out during the inquiry, particularly, as he says, from the Dowlers and the McCanns, we simply can't continue with the status quo. A press complaint system where a publication can simply walk away from the system and a system that is run by the press. Will the Deputy Prime Minister agree that a version of business as usual will simply not do and it would be a dereliction of our duty to allow the Leveson report to be kicked into the long grass? I think everybody accepts, whatever their individual views about this, that business as usual is simply not acceptable. The status quo has failed and it has failed over and over again. The model of self-regulation that we've seen uh, over the last several years has not worked when things have gone uh, awry. So I certainly agree with, uh, with the premise upon which we in the government actually created the Leveson inquiry, which is to seek out recommendations for change. That's the whole point of the Leveson inquiry. Harriet Harman. Um, and I look forward to um, all of us having the opportunity to work together in the public interest to get this right. Uh, now, Mr Speaker, this week the Deputy Prime Minister sent an email to his party members. In it, he describes the task of finding childcare as a real nightmare. Isn't it clear that cutting the childcare element of tax credits has made that nightmare worse for parents? 
tell you what I think has actually helped many people who uh, have to uh, have struggle to make ends meet and to pay for childcare is the fact that it is this government that is providing 15 hours of free preschool support and childcare to every three and four year old in the country. No government's done that before. It is this government, as of next April, that will be providing 15 hours of preschool support and childcare to some of the poorest two year olds in the country. No other government has done that before. It is this government that is taking two million people on low pay out of paying any income tax altogether. That's a record I'm proud of. The Deputy Prime Minister has shown himself to be completely out of touch in that article. parents are having to give up their job because of the cuts in tax credits and having instead to be on benefits. And I asked him about the childcare elements of the tax credits and he hasn't answered. Why won't he admit the cut he voted for has cost families £500 and 44,000 families are losing out. And if that wasn't bad enough, they're cutting £1 billion from Start. In his email, he said he was going to reveal... Mr. Order. I know that the junior minister in the back row thinks that her views are relevant. Not interested. I do, order. I don't want heckling. What I want is the question to be heard, and it will be heard with courtesy. And if the session has to be extended for that to happen, so be it. Harriet Arman. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm beginning to have quite a lot of sympathy with the Honourable Member for Mid-Bedfordshire. Uh, all, those, all, those, all those rats, all those rats and snakes, and that was even before she went to the jungle. Um, in the Deputy Prime Minister's email, he said he was going to reveal... Mr Speaker. Uh, order. Order. I've made the point once. I'm going to make it only once more. Mr McCartney, your heckling is not wanted. It doesn't help. Stop it and stop it for the remainder of this session and in the future. I've made the position clear. Harriet Harman. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Um, in the Deputy Prime Minister's email, he said he was going to reveal what really goes on behind those Whitehall doors. So perhaps in his next week's instalment, he'll tell the truth. Under his government, families are worse off, aren't they? Prime Minister. Uh, as, of, as of next April, because of one of the most radical tax changes introduced by any government in living memory, 24 million basic rate taxpayers will be £550 better off. That is a radical change I am very uh, proud of. I'm proud of the fact that three- and four-year-olds are going to benefit from our changes, that two-year-olds are going to benefit from our changes. And as she may have noticed in the much-quoted Resolution Trust report recently, tax credits are not the best answers for many families. So, yes, I, I accept we need to do more to make childcare affordable so more women can get back into work at an earlier stage. That is what this government is setting about doing, while we're also cleaning up the mess left behind by her. dispatch box and he says one thing but he does something completely different and he's at it again on the police. Two years ago he made a solemn election pledge that the Lib Dems would provide 3,000 more police officers but there aren't 
more. There are 6,800 fewer, and it's tuition fees all over again. Why should anyone trust the Lib Dems on policing? At least they can trust this. At least they can trust this side of the house with the economy. The Right Honourable Gentleman is in danger of being heckled rather noisily and stupidly by both sides. The, <laughs> the, the, the Right Honourable Gentleman's... The Right Honourable gen, right Gentleman's answer will be heard however long it takes, so the juvenile delinquency should stop now. The Deputy Prime Minister. I, I'm, I'm used to getting it from both sides, but look, um, the Shadow Chancellor's not here. The Shadow Chancellor's not here. But just to underline the point, last year in a television interview, he denied that there was a structural deficit while Labour was in power. Last month, in another television interview, he denied the denial. So now that we've got the Shadow Chancellor briefing against himself in television interviews, how on earth is anyone ever going to have any faith that this lot can sort out the economy? You know, people know they can't trust. People are finding that they can't trust this government on the economy. Because of the government he supports, we've lost two years of economic growth and borrowing is going up. And I don't know, I don't know why they're so cheerful about... I don't know why they're all so cheerful about the cuts in police numbers. They might not be bothered, but their constituents certainly are. And it's always the same with the Lib Dems. You can't trust them on tuition fees, on childcare. And when it comes to voting next week, people will remember, you certainly can't trust them on the police. What about her promise of no boom and bust? What happened to that one? has now been in power for two and a half years. In those two and a half years, we've given 24 million basic rate taxpayers an income tax cut. We've taken two million people on low pay out of paying any income tax cut. We've cut the deficit by a quarter. We've reformed welfare. What has she and her colleagues done? What have they done? They've gone on a few marches. They've, got a, they've denied any responsibility for the mess we're in, and they haven't even filled in their blank sheet of paper where there should be some policies. She might be hoping for some bad news for, to make her point in this country. We are sorting out the mess that she left behind. Steve Bride. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Moving on as we must, I would echo the Deputy Prime Minister's comments on the US presidential election and congratulate Mr Obama on his victory. It is always good to see a leader re-elected in difficult times. Prime Minister agree with me that alongside new emerging markets, including those in the Middle East of course, Britain should seek to strengthen our economic and trade ties with the US through a new trade deal as we seek to boost our recovery and maybe start one across the channel. Well, I, I actually agree with him. I think the lesson of the uh, election in the state's uh, presidential election is that, uh, is that voters' memories are longer than members uh, opposite seem to think. Because voters, when it comes to actually casting a vote, 
remember who created the mess in the first place and who has to do the painstaking, difficult and, yes, longer than we'd hoped job of sorting out that mess. On the wider issue, of course, there is so much we now need to do to work together with the new Obama administration. He talks about trade. I would like to see a new EU-US uh, free trade agreement, which I think will create a real spur to economic growth in both of our economies. And I was also, for instance, delighted to hear uh, overnight that President Obama actually singled out his commitment to dealing with climate change, yeah. another area where we can work together very well with them. Mr Speaker, the Deputy Prime Minister tells us that he supports the living wage and the increase announced on Monday. Can he tell us how many Lib Dem councils pay the living wage? None. None. Mr Speaker, uh, as she knows, her own leader has... Her own leader... Uh, order! The Honourable Lady has asked the Deputy Prime Minister a question. I hope members will have the courtesy to hear the answer. I certainly want to hear it. The Deputy Prime Minister. As she knows, her own leader has said that this is a voluntary process by which we need to encourage uh, both councils and employers in the public and private sectors to pay the living wage. No one, no one will disagree. No one will disagree with the idea of a living wage where people are paid a fair wage for a fair day's work. There's a lot of extra, there's a lot of extra work to be, to be done to make this reality. But guess what? It is this government, because of our tax changes, that mean that as of next April, someone working on the minimum wage will have their income tax cut by half. John Leach. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The tragic death of Private David Lee Collins while off duty in Cyprus is a devastating blow uh, to his mother, my constituent, and to family and friends in the constituency and across Manchester. Will the Deputy Prime Minister assure me that the, uh, the Foreign Office and the Ministry of Defence are working with Cypriot authorities to ensure that the perpetrators are brought to justice? Yeah. First, um, I think everybody, uh, our hearts of course go out to the, the mother and indeed the, the other family and friends of David Lee Collins um, who uh, came to such an untimely death uh, in the way that he described and um, uh, it's obviously right for him to raise this uh, issue on behalf uh, of, um, of David Lee Collins is his mother and I can sh certainly assure him that the Ministry of Defence and the Foreign Office will be doing everything they can to find out exactly what happened and bring the perpetrators to justice and I'm sure the Secretary of State for Defence who is here uh, will, uh, will uh, seek to uh, keep him updated uh, as things evolve. Rosie Cooper. <coughs> Thank you Mr Speaker. Homes wrecked, much needed crops destroyed in the devastating floods that affected my constituency last month. Warnings that we face another winter of floods. The government promised to bring forward plans for a new deal on flood insurance in July. My worried constituents are still waiting. When will this incompetent and out of touch government actually act on making sure that ordinary families and businesses, ordinary families and businesses are protected from flooding, or will in the end this be another broken promise? She, she, she packed in every soundbite into that one. Um, uh, Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, we are we are we are involved in very detailed discussions with the insurance industry, precisely to provide our constituents with the reassurances that they rightly seek. I only point out that that was an agreement between the government and the insurance industry that was never reached uh, in the 13 years in which Labour was in power. We are doing that work now. It's complicated work. It's very important work. We're devoting a lot of attention to it, and I hope we will be able to make an announcement in the not too distant. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thousands of people are being killed in Syria each month, and the suffering of their people is immense. 
Sources within the country say that British assistance has been slow and that the priority ought to be to supporting the civil administration councils so that basic water and sewerage services can be connected. What more can the Prime Minister do to discuss with President Obama to really bring about a solution to this crisis? I know that the Prime Minister, um, who is of course in the region uh, right now, uh, discusses this on an ongoing basis with um, uh, the President of the United States and will continue to do so. We are the second largest bilateral donor uh, in, in Syria. Of course, the circumstances on the ground are incredibly difficult for the delivery of, uh, of aid and assistance, but we need to make every effort we can to accelerate that get it to the right people in a timely manner, in the right places, and any suggestions he wishes to make uh, to um, the Department for International Development and others about how we should do that, of course, will be Lillian Greenwood. Mr Speaker, official documents show the healthier together reviews, quote, best option is downgrading Kettering General Hospitals, A&E, maternity, children and acute services and cutting 515 of its 658 beds. How can anyone believe the Prime Minister when he claims those NHS services are safe in his hands? I just find it extraordinary that she persists in this, in this willful scaremongering. She plucks out the worst-case scenario when, as she knows, no decision has been taken. And instead, and instead of frightening people about what's happening in our NHS, why doesn't she celebrate the great work of our nurses and our doctors and other clinicians in the NHS who are delivering an absolute world-class service for the people of Kettering, Corby and elsewhere? Deputy Prime Minister confirm uh, the government's commitment to marine renewable energy, especially in the South West? I, th I think this is clearly, uh, marine renewable energy is clearly an area where the South West has got a real <coughs> natural advantage and it's one of the uh, many areas of renewable energy which are reflected in our diverse approach to uh, renewable um, uh, energy generation in the future because we've got to wean ourselves off an over-reliance on one kind of energy generation and spread our bets more fairly and sustainably. Uh, in the future. Valerie Baz. Thank you, Mr. Yeah. Speaker. Um, not only is it Obama Day, but it's Adoption Week. Uh, my 10 minute rule bill in the last session called for equalising statutory rights for leave, pay, and allowances between adopted parents and parents whose children are born to them. This can be done by regulations. So, could the Deputy Prime Minister ask a minister or two? to meet with me to eliminate this unfairness. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, certainly make sure that, I'll certainly make sure the relevant minister meets with her, and I'd like to pay tribute to her for her long-standing campaign to equalise the rights of, of parents of adopted children uh, to parental leave, for instance, to equalise that uh, with, uh, with other parents. It's something that I certainly uh, believe uh, should be the case. It's something that we've been looking at closely as a government, and I hope we'll be able to make an announcement uh, on that very issue in the not-too-distant future. Charlie Elphick. Does the uh, Deputy Prime Minister to agree that the Chancellor's initiative to get the OECD to crack down on international tax avoidance is all the more important when you consider that non-oil corporation tax went up just 6% in the last 15 years, while income tax receipts almost doubled. Yes, that's why I think it's quite right that the Treasury and the Chancellor have been so assiduous in providing uh, uh, additional resources 
uh, to ensure that the, the teams in Whitehall, the HMRC and elsewhere, who crack down on tax avoidance are able to do that. And the, the figures um, that we hope we will be able to recoup in tax pay that otherwise would have been avoided are truly eye-watering. Billions and billions of pounds of tax will come into the uh, vaults of the uh, Exchequer, which otherwise would have gone, uh, would have gone walkabout. Yeah. Angus Brendan McNeil. The newly published World Prosperity Index shows our Nordic neighbours, Norway, Sweden and Denmark, holding top three spots. In the last quarter, the oil fund of our neighbours, Norway, grew by $29.3 billion to an eye-watering $660 billion, equivalent to £5,000 for each Norwegian family. Will the Deputy Prime Minister take this opportunity to congratulate the Norwegians on their society and the enviable prosperity they have created? SNP's arc of prosperity keeps changing. Uh, last time I looked, it used to include Iceland, but now it doesn't. What, what, what is he going to do next? Pick out Malaysia or Indonesia? Try and be a bit more consistent, please. Yeah. Mr. Mark Reckless. Does, uh, does the Deputy Prime Minister expect to be involved in the selection process for our next EU Commissioner? <laughs> Candidate, however much you might hope otherwise. <laughs> Mr. Carl Turner. The Deputy Prime Minister's predecessor and mine is Labour's excellent candidate in the Police and Crime Commissioner elections in Humberside. Well, the Tory candidate describes the role as the job from hell. Does the Deputy Prime Minister agree with his Tory colleague or uh, does he think that personally he has it harder? Mr Speaker, I mean, on, the, on the issue of the Police and Crime Commissioner uh, elections, I'm not going to try and compare notes with um, uh, my predecessor, but uh, I hope everybody will turn out to vote. I think the fact there are so many has-been Labour politicians, recycled Labour, ex-Labour ministers, withstanding might put quite a lot of people off, but I hope nonetheless they will participate in these important elections. Mark Garnier. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Um, last week, Stephen Farrow was sentenced to life imprisonment for the brutal murder of my constituent, Betty Yates, and of Thornbury resident, the Reverend John Studders. Yes. Will the Deputy Prime Minister join me in both sending uh, congratulations and thanking the police for their speedy and successful conclusion of this case, and also in sending our deepest condolences to the families of both victims? I'm sure the whole House wishes to join with um, my honourable friend in sending out our sincerest heartfelt condolences to the, uh, obviously to the victims' families and, and friends, but also, as he say, uh, says, pay tribute to the fact that police really did move very, very fast. And it's incredibly important in, in heart-rending cases like this that the public sees that, where possible, justice is done, but justice is done as rapidly as possible. Ian Lavery. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can the Deputy Prime Minister explain to the House why the Liberal Democrats are feeling only 21 candidates out of 44 in the police and crime commissioners' elections? Because we're standing in, in, in those areas where Liberal Democrats wish to stand a candidate. It's called inter... No, I know, I know the party opposite. I know the party opposite. I know the party opposite doesn't understand the meaning of the word internal party democracy. It's something I'm very proud we've got, and he should try it someday. Simon Hughes. After inheriting a legacy of obscene bonuses and the biggest divide between the rich and the poor from Labour, 
Can my right honourable friend make clear that it's the overriding ambition of government to deliver a fairer Britain, and one of the ways of doing it is affordable housing and social rented housing, which delivers both fairness and growth? Yes, Mr Speaker, and that's why it is so important that we've committed to a uh, £20 billion worth of investment into inf- affordable housing, uh, uh, generating tens and tens of thousands of more affordable homes so that families have got an affordable home that they can uh, call their own. And also, I would uh, draw his attention <coughs> to the significance of the announcement made by the Secretary of State for Local Government yesterday uh, that we will be looking at doubling the amount of uh, uh, um, funds in local authority pension funds that can be, can be used to invest up to £22 billion of extra money into local infrastructure. That's the way to make this country fair and to get the economy moving. Jim Shannon. Mr. Uh, on behalf of my party, can I also join in the tribute for the two soldiers and prison officer David Black who gave their lives last week? Tomorrow morning will mark the 25th anniversary of the Poppy Day massacre in Enniskillen. Twelve lives were cruelly taken and 63 were injured when the IRA bombed the service of remembrance at the town cenotaph. This week the police have received a new line of inquiry. Will the Deputy Prime Minister join with me in echoing the survivors' call for justice and for new information to be brought forward? I'm sure he speaks on behalf of all of us when he says we should pause and reflect on the uh, terrible suffering of those who now have to relive 25 years later all the memories of that terrible atrocity and those that were killed and injured um, and maimed. I know that the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland will be attending the anniversary uh, event. This is an extremely difficult uh, week for all those who uh, suffered uh, at that time and have had to live with those memories ever since. And yes, of course I can confirm that where there are new leads, where there's new evidence, that that will be pursued um, rigorously and that we will provide all support uh, in order to make sure that that is the case. Mr John Hemming. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Under the previous government, officials used discretion to refuse to provide information to people who were brought up in care about their cases. Will the Deputy Prime Minister look to open the files so that people who were brought up in care can find out what happened to them? Deputy Prime Minister. Well, I certainly think he's right in saying I think all of us, given the daily drip-drip effect of these horrific revelations that seem to get worse every day, seem to be taking place on a scale that was uh, before now unimaginable, that we send out a clear message from all sides of this House to any victim who's sitting at home alone, still harbouring these terrible memories and this terrible suffering that they they endured, that this is the time for them to speak out. This is the time for them to come forward. We will help them. We will reach out to them and we will make sure that their uh, suffering is atoned for and that where we can find those who have uh, perpetrated these terrible abuses, that they're brought to justice even these several years since they might first have occurred. Emma Doyle. Scotland's First Minister has misled the public on legal advice that doesn't exist, rewritten the ministerial code for his own gain, and there are strong suggestions that he will ignore the Electoral Commission in the upcoming referendum. People in Scotland are losing faith in the First Minister, and this government are in danger of being complicit in yet another muddle. Does the Deputy Prime Minister trust the First Minister to deliver a fair, legal and decisive referendum on separation? As I hope she would, would be prepared to recognise, we've been working on a cross-party basis, uh, particularly between those parties who believe in the maintenance of the family of the nations of the United Kingdom, uh, to ensure that there is a fair, legal and decisive uh, vote uh, in, the, uh, in the referendum. I t- certainly agree with her characterisation. I mean, the spectacle of the SNP administration using taxpayers' money 
to stop disclosure to the public of legal advice that they never sought in the first place. You, honestly, you couldn't make it up. It's almost a bit like dropping Iceland from the Ark of Prosperity. Mr. Alan Reid. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Rising prices to keep their homes and drive their cars are putting enormous pressures on people, particularly in a widespread rural area like Argyll and Butte. What steps will my right honourable friend be taking to make the tax system fairer and put more money in the pockets of people on low and middle incomes to help them pay these rising bills? That is, that is precisely why the centrepiece tax reform of this government is a radical one to lift the point at which people start paying income tax up to £10,000 from the £6,400 where we found it when we took over from Labour. And that, when we deliver that, will deliver a £700 tax cut to over 24 million basic rate taxpayers in this country, including in its constituency. It's something we should celebrate. Bearing in mind we were selling arms for the Gaddafi regime right up to the uprising, is the uh, Deputy Prime Minister pleased that the Prime Minister is busy now selling arms to Saudi Arabia, a country where human rights is non-existent, amputations and floggings take place frequently, and we know how women are treated there. Is that a Liberal Democratic policy as well? As, 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 as you will know, we have the strictest controls of almost any developed economy in the world governing the conditions in which we can sell arms to other, uh, other, other countries. Nothing that we do in promoting uh, our arms industry, which employs thousands of people in this country, uh, impedes our ability to tell uh, allies and other governments where we uh, have real concerns about their human rights record, about their democratic record and about their civil liberties record. And that is exactly what the Prime Minister has been doing this week. Um, Mr Speaker, I sometimes think the Deputy Prime Minister would like to send me to a jungle in Australia for a month. But would he agree with me that when two different parties get together in the national interest to clear up the mess that Labour have left them, and in particular, driving unemployment down. And can I just pick up one constituency? In Corby, it went down 4.6% last month. Mr Speaker, for the first time in my parliamentary career, I wholeheartedly agree with him. Let us, let us savour and treasure this moment. Because I suspect it will be very, very rare indeed. But uh, like him, when I heard that the, uh, that the Honourable Member for um, Mid-Bedfordshire had been sent to a jungle to eat insects, uh, I thought that despite the, um, the appearance of civility from our new Chief Whip, this indicated a new disciplinarian approach in our Whip's uh, office. But I totally agree with him. We are doing the great job together to fix the economy and to create jobs for people in the future. And that's a great shared endeavour. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.